All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by the Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Oilers Nation Radio, episode 89. Um, your friendly neighborhood bag milk here. Tyler Uremchuk, manning the board. Nation Dan here. Uh, Rick, as well, is sitting in on a beautiful Friday in the capital city. This week, we want to start off the podcast. Um, by looking around the world, uh, specifically around the world of the NHL and the players that are speaking out about what's going on in the United States uh, as a result of the senseless murder of George Floyd. Um, a lot of prominent figures, guys, have, have spoken out so far. Tyler, if you could, Edmonton Oilers captain Connor McDavid released a statement earlier this week, if you wouldn't mind reading that for us. Yeah, Connor McDavid putting this out on his various social medias. He said, quote, like everyone else, I watched the horror of George Floyd's murder and felt helpless and sick to my stomach as I have watched the many protests against racism and social justice, social injustice that have been taking place around the world. I realized that I need to do more to educate myself, that I need to learn more about the history of racism in our countries and to listen to the voices and perspectives of the black community and other racial minorities to try to understand how I can help to affect change going forward. As a young white male and pro athlete, I recognize that we live in a, that we live a very privileged life. I believe that the time is now for all of us to get out of our comfort zones and not to sit idly on the sidelines and to be a part of the solution to ensure that we end racism in our society. So obviously, um, a lot of players around the league, um, so far, according to the NHL, about 110 have spoken out so far, still a ways to go. However, uh, do you want to recognize some strong messages from players? Uh, and I'm just doing this off the top of my head, so please feel free to jump in, boys. Um, Patrice Bergeron from the Bruins had a great one. 
Uh, former Oiler Ben Scrivens as well went into depth on on furthering the conversation. Um, Braden Holtby, they, Tyler Jonathan, Sagan, Jonathan was, Taves. Tyler Sagan's been out and like actively marching as well. So I, I think that for me, I, I'm really happy and proud of these guys that are using their platform and their voices to speak out for a cause that I think we can all agree that is very important. Um, looking at what's going on right now, it's hard not to feel empathy for the black community and seeing white players recognize that from a point of privilege that they have a voice and they have a message and they can share that and spread the word to people that may not necessarily believe that or see it or recognize it. And I think that's really invaluable for players that you're looking up to um, speaking out. And from my standpoint, I think it's incredibly important. I'm, I'm actually urging everybody to listen to this to, to take some time to educate yourself, um, open your heart and open your mind and kind of see beyond what's going on, maybe in your personal um, orbit and look at what others are dealing with around the world because this is a, this is a very powerful moment in time and hopefully it turns into a movement. And if anybody else, anybody else kind of have thoughts on what's going on with the NHL players stepping up and speaking out. Yeah. I think you kind of hit it on the head there, bag milk with the, uh, the comment of kind of getting outside of your, uh, your own personal sphere. And I think, I think traditionally, um, we we all probably tend to retract into that personal sphere when things are going tough and things are getting hard. And so, so yeah, I think that this is a, a perfect time. Uh, it's the first step in in a long a long process that has to has to take place. But it's important that we see the you know we see the people that we see um, making the making the movement for change now um, that you know, is long overdue, but it's happening now. And, and you hope that it's a conversation that continues to happen tomorrow and the next day and, and they're on in. Yeah. Just hopefully this is just a, a baby step in the, in the right direction. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of work to go. There's a, a lot of, a lot of things that need to be done in order to get us to a place where everyone's treated the exact same way as the way, you know, it, it should be. Um, you know, everything that's happened in the last eight, ten days, or whatever. You know, I, I see why it's happened, and, and it's, it's necessary. But uh, if things don't get better from here on in, it was all for naught. So everything has been good so far. I think obviously there's been stupid little shit, but whatever. That's pales in comparison. Everything's been good, but the important step is that we continue moving forward. And everyone who's been all the, you know, we just have to keep moving forward, and everybody held accountable. Yeah, and I uh, I brought this up yesterday on the Real Life Podcast when we addressed this, and uh, Carlin Gaze, managing editor of NBA Canada, had him had a chance to chat with him uh, on the radio the other day, and he, he his quote was, "Make this not a moment but a movement," and I and I think that's something really important to keep in mind here. As much as right now, you know, everyone is posting on social media, sharing the petitions, signing the petitions, supporting Black artists, all that kind of stuff that's going on. Make sure you instill that into your day-to-day life going forward and not just right now because it might be the hip thing to do. I think making sure that, you know, you not only talk the talk and, and spread the spread stuff on social media and be part of the movement that way, but also walk the walk in your day-to-day life. And I think that's, that's g- definitely just as important as anything else is making sure you're covering all the bases when it comes to this stuff. And I don't want it to come off as preachy or anything like that, but I mean... 
like you guys said, it, it, there's a reason this is happening here, and you want it to not all be for naught. Well, exactly. And I think that for me, the most important thing is to recognize that we have an opportunity to take a step back and learn and be quiet and listen and have, have empathy and educate ourselves on why this is happening. And I hope more people take the chance to do that because as four white guys sitting on this podcast talking about it, we have that as a luxury to learn about it. What's going on? Why is this happening? Whereas there's a lot of people, everyone in the black community, they don't have that same opportunity. They live this day in and day out. So I think that is very important to take some time, keep your mind open, keep your heart open and, and really educate yourself, learn. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, it's important. Watch what's going on. If you want to do some reading around the network, Robin Brownlee wrote a powerful piece yesterday about racism and how we need to take steps to move on from it. Matthew Henrique over at uh, the Leafs Nation spoke about it and his experience of getting into sports media and what it means to him. Um, we also, as Tyler mentioned, we had a, an in-depth conversation about this on yesterday's episode of the Real Life Podcast. So I encourage you to listen to all of uh, listen to that and, and and really think about what you can do to not only support this on social media, as Tyler said, but be part of the solution going forward. Because again, it's a movement, and hopefully not a moment, and hopefully we can create a mass of people that care enough that real change can actually be made. And that's really what's important here. That's really what we're trying to, what we're trying to talk about is that everybody needs to be on the same playing field, no matter what. And uh, before we move on, I uh, just wanted to play Mark Frazier uh, was on Jason Greger's show. He also wrote a powerful piece in the Players Tribune today. Um, about his experiences of growing up in hockey. And he spoke to Jason Greger about it earlier in the week. And we're going to play a little clip from that now because it's important, again, to, to take a time to listen. So um, so check that out. Bueller and Logan Couture, some of these guys started posting their genuine sentiment of outrage and disgust on what's happening in America right now. It touched me so deeply. I wish I'll have the opportunity to share with them someday how much it meant to me. Because hearing a white hockey player's perspective on racism like that, a genuinely true, heartfelt perspective on it, allowed me to understand that I can say this too. I'm the victim here, but if he can say it in the majority, then I can finally say it. But I was always afraid to say it. What hockey players can do, they can give us a voice by using their own voice. Looking back at the NHL, there is still news happening, uh, despite what's going on in the rest of the world. Yesterday, the NHL announced that it will, some more details about how this 2014 playoff tournament will actually work, including reseeding after every round. And I'm curious to, uh, I'm curious to ask you guys what you think about reseeding in the playoffs. I'm curious to think about, is this beneficial? I don't really know. And again, please correct me, Rick and Tyler specifically, you guys are big sports guys, Dan, you too. Do, does anybody else reseed like this in the playoffs? Is there precedent for this? Like, why is this kind of what we're doing? I know the players wanted it, yeah. but 
from a, from sports fan perspective, what do you guys think? Well, like the NFL does. Um, there's reseeding there after the first round, and uh, Major League Baseball doesn't because it's not really necessary with how small their playoffs are to begin with. The NBA, I believe, does restructure, and uh, the NHL used to when it was one through eight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep. So for me, I, I like it, and I'm a fan of it, and it's something I'd want going forward because it gives more an adva- of an advantage to the higher seeds, in my opinion. Like, hypothetically, the top four seeds in this NHL playoffs, you know, they might they don't have much of an advantage right now. If anything, you could argue they have a disadvantage because they have to wait longer and sit colder for longer, not playing meaningful hockey. So for me, this kind of just ensures that if you're the one seed or the two seed, there's a better chance that you are going to play a lower-seeded team. It gives you a bit of an advantage by virtue of you getting to play a weaker opponent in your first round. So I'm all for it. It's done in other sports. I think it's the right thing to do. I'm personally a fan of giving higher seeds a bit of an advantage when you can, and I think this just does exactly that. My... Sorry, Rick, if you were going to jump in there. But my issue with the change is, as as you guys have said, the NHL used to do the reseeding. Um, I can't remember the, the the many reasons that they laid out uh, for why they wanted to change to this. I know that one of them was they really wanted rivalries to become a, a big thing. And so I, I understand you want to change it up this year uh, for this year's playoffs. But I think that if if the league is really serious about wanting to create some rivalries and they have done that, it's forced uh, the San Jose and Las Vegas rivalry to kind of come to the forefront. Edmonton Calgary is, is probably as heated as it's been since the eighties. So I, I do think that they have, uh, they have, you know, by hook or by crook uh, created a, a, a scenario where, where divisional rivalries are more important now than ever. And, and I think that that's something that you want to maintain. Uh, I, I, again, I understand the merits of changing the, to a, to a reseed for this, for this coronavirus shortened playoff run. Uh, but I, I think, I hope going forward that we stay divisional rivals. What about you, Rick? Uh, you know what? There's, there's positives and negatives for both, right? Like you guys have both kind of broken down each, um, yeah, you know what? It's great to have those uh, those divisional rivalries, but you know, you say Edmonton Calgary is probably the hottest it's been since the '80s. Well, we still haven't played them in the playoffs. No, right? that's so true. It's not like that. It's not like that has has, has done anything for yeah. that. Um, I'm just trying to think of like what's the worst or the worst case scenario if you don't reseed them uh, that a, that a high team that a high team would have to face. Like, what's the worst ranking? Like a, a one versus well, four? Or I mean, I can't I even think, think of. I think one of the things that they were afraid of when they did the reseeding previously was the Detroit Red Wings losing to the Edmonton Oilers in the first round. That that kind of you know you've got a you've got an eight seed that has been playing for their playoff lives for a month, two months, and then you got the Detroit Red Wings who had been sitting back and 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 uh, you know coasting into the playoff kind of scenario. I'm not saying that that's right, but I think that was the perception for a while because we did have a lot of one versus eight, two versus seven kind of upset years. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the year that the Oilers went to the to the Stanley Cup Finals, they did beat the Red Wings, and they were the one seed. And then I think also the two seed fell, and maybe even the four seed in the West fell that year. So I think that they were afraid of you know the, the top teams coming up against teams that are that are hot and have been playing well and and playing you know streaky into the playoffs. You think that the St. Louis Blues last year, um, you know, there's a team that, that was absolutely running amok on the league. 
in the second half of the season. Yeah, but they, they weren't. Don't they weren't play a they, they, yeah, but they were a top level team to begin with. They just played really shitty in the beginning half of the year. When they pulled it together, they elevated to where they're supposed to be all year, and that's why they, you know, they just happened to at the, start, at the right time of the year they were playing to their full capacity. That's not to say that the you know the the Oilers in 06, the the eighth ranked team is going to do the exact same thing because the eighth ranked team isn't going to be as good as St. Louis every year. Um, just to go back to your point, Dan, in 2006, the top seed won every series in the East and the lower seed won every single series in the West. So I, I don't think that that was necessarily the year that they changed it, but I think that was something that they pointed back to. But you're right, Rick. In saying all that, I don't necessarily believe that making the, the top seed in the Pacific Division play the lowest, a wildcard team is going to do much different. It's just, that was the, I think that that was one of the points that they had made. To be they, fair, I mean, that, it could have possibly worked out that way in 06 anyways, if we go back and look at it. What's that? That uh, we could have been playing? Yeah, Detroit? regardless. Yeah, regardless well, we been, we would have been playing like, I don't know, Colorado or something. But yeah, it's, yeah it's, you're not wrong. So if we were the actually, second wildcard it worked out, team. It worked out perfectly that year where Edmonton still had to play the next highest seed and in the second round there in San Jose, because San Jose was the five, and the other series was six, seven seeds. Yeah, so right. how many times does it, the old bracketed way, does it work out that it's the, the higher seed team's going to get a little bit of a screw job compared to if you get reseeded? Is it enough to go out and change things? Because if we do keep changing, we do tend to lose a little bit of uh Well, the issue would be that, like, so let's use 06 as the example because it's out in front of me. The eight seed Edmonton beats the seven seed Colorado, and I guess there it, there could have been a chance where it's eight versus seven the next round. I mean, it depends how you lay out your bracket, but there's always a chance that it ends up being like the three seed playing a five seed while the seven seed gets to play the eight seed or something like that, right? But don't um, they yeah. break when they make the bracket when they make the original bracket? Don't they break it down in terms of like one and so yeah, eight? Yeah, then it could then... be then it could be the six seed against the eight seed while the two seed has to play the four seed would be the way that works. And I think that's what they're okay, they yeah, okay. to avoid. So, uh, yeah, seeing so that, but I want to know But it how is small, you're right. Happened. It probably very rarely. Yeah, so is it worth changing? Because I don't know. I, I, being a bit of a traditionalist, I like having things just standard, and that's just the way it's been for whatever decades and years. So if it wasn't that big of a deal, I don't see any reason why changing it. And at the end of the day, the NHL playoffs are so tight that, like, meh. It, like you said, St. Louis gets hot at the right time. Well, if any team in the league gets hot at the right time, they're going to give any other team a run for their money, right? There's not... Look at Columbus and Tampa Bay last season is a great <laughs> example of that. So, I mean, you can reseed all right. that, but at the end of the day, if you get unlucky and run into a hot team, sucks. Yeah. Welcome welcome to playoffs. Yeah, I mean, your, Columbus, your Columbus analogy is perfect, too, because it is... That was a one versus, like, nine seed kind of thing, so... Well, we also, I mean, like you guys talked about 2006, if you remember correctly, the Oilers really started to kind of gel together as a team in that final run of the season. They just snuck into the playoffs and gave, you know, do you know what I mean? But they, they really started to roll. And then as they started beating Detroit in that first round, they gained the confidence needed to make a run all the way to the playoffs. So again, to me, it matters more about where your team is at, regardless of seeding, but it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. This kind of actually lends us or is a nice little transition into the Sherwood Ford giant question of the week. Alex. Yeah. Giant, 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 the Sherwood Ford giant question of the week. This one actually inspired by someone who asked me a question the other day and said, you know, with the league expanding to 32 teams, is there a chance that they're using this year's 24 team tournament 
to see how it would look and potentially use it permanently going forward. So my question to you guys with the NHL soon to be at 32 teams, would you be in favor of them expanding the playoffs and how much, how many teams are you down? If they go, Hey, 24 teams a year, would you like to see something in the middle or even when they get to 32 teams, would you prefer they stay at 16, make the playoffs? I'll go with no more than 10 per conference. If you're going 32, sure. If you wanted to, you know, cause you're adding another team, yeah. I get it. Um, we've gone through a lot of times where we've added, uh, Look at all the other times we've added teams and not changed the playoffs at all, right? So I don't see why one more team you change it. So if you honestly had to do it, no more than 10 per conference. And I don't know if you just do four wild cards and have some sort of play in for spot seven and eight, whatever you want to do. But for me, I would say leave it the way it is. Let's just keep rolling with the, with the 16 team playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I'm there too. I, I think that, uh, that, the, the wild card scenario doesn't work in the NHL because I, I truly believe you need to have a series to be able to to have it play out fairly. I don't yeah, think that any game, wild card should be like a three game, maybe then, five, but a three game at least. And then if you have a play in series, well, then the other teams are sitting idle and you get back to that discussion of is a team fresh versus a team that's a bit rusty. It's just. It's, See, but that, but in know. there, but in there, usually the last game is Saturday night, and then the playoffs start on Wednesday. You can sneak some of that in there before, even if you yeah. push the playoffs back. So you're only looking at like you're looking at less than seven days. So it's not like what they're going into now. You usually get it. They usually play the last game Saturday night, and then they'll kick but off my, the playoffs on Wednesday, if I remember correctly. So yeah, that's, you're used to that fair. anyways. But my counterpoint would be then then the wild card team is just up against it anyways. But I guess they're happy to be there. So you, you yeah. I, and but I mean, I just, you, every game you play, you take a chance of getting injuries and in, in high, you know, in, in games that mean as much as those do. It takes it takes a toll on your body too. So there is going to be some, and you're not going to get that same bit of rest afterwards. You're going to have to roll from the play-ins right to the first series. I just uh, I'm I'm not a mathematician, but I think six is half of the teams now yeah. once Seattle's in there. I think I think I'm good with that. I I would have probably shaded towards even going smaller more than I would go expanding it. It's just it's it's one of those things you got you have to have you have to have a push for stuff. People, it's a knock against CFL all the time. Well, eighty percent of the teams make the playoffs every year. Well, it's just you know you're not wrong, but at the same it's a small time, league doesn't it? Just it's count. a small league, and so it doesn't it doesn't necessarily come to the conversation. But I did you really that, say you want to go backwards though? I would say I would probably say I'd rather go with. Less so if Commission Dan, if Commission Nation Dan was in charge, you'd, you'd I'd say stay the same. Well, I'd okay. say the same, but I'd say I would rather go less before I'd go more. Okay, but I'd say the same. For me, I I like the idea of a play-in series. I think the wild card game in baseball, as much as it's frustrating that it's one game, it's some of the most electrifying baseball you'll watch. There's been some amazing games that have come out of that. So for me, I would expand it and I'd make it a wild card play-in series. I would have. You know, instead of two wildcard teams, there's four. So you either finish in your division or you're one of the four wildcard teams and you do wildcard one against wildcard four and then seed two against seed three. I think a best of five might be a little bit too much because then you need at least 10 days to play it. Then you probably want to give that team two or three days off in between series as well to sort of recoup. But I'd be all down for a best of three. Most of these teams are pretty close to each other geographically. So that really wouldn't create, there shouldn't be too much of a travel strain on it at all unless you get like Toronto playing Tampa Bay but even that like you're in the same time zone and I would do a best of three wildcard play-in series and the reason I think there's actually a chance this happens is one with Seattle going up to 32 I do think there would be an appetite 
to put more teams in the playoffs and create more exciting hockey. It would create more buzz around the Stanley Cup playoffs for those first two years. I think it would get markets in the States talking like, oh, wait, this new wild card play in the NHL is introducing. And also, the league's going to be trying to bump up revenue over the next couple of years here. They're going to be trying to recover from this. And what bumps up revenue? More playoff hockey. If there's two series per conference that are a best of three, you're opening yourself up to the possibility of 12 extra playoff games. That means revenue for those teams, which can get shared amongst the rest. It means more TV money coming in as well. So not only do I think adding a couple more per conference is a good idea, I actually think there is a chance we end up seeing it. Especially because I, I don't see why the Players Association would say no. It gives more players a chance to play in the playoffs. I mean, exactly. they could also just sit there and say, no, we're not playing more games than what we have originally agreed upon. But maybe it's a scenario where the NHL these goes... Are the, these are the free games anyways. Yeah, maybe it's a situation where the NHL uses this as a bargaining chip for the Olympics when they start negotiating again. The NHL goes, you know what? No All-Star game. We'll let you guys go to the Olympics. And in return, we're adding the wild card round. To me, I... I... I honestly wouldn't mind expanding the playoffs a little bit just because selfishly the first round of the NHL playoffs is my favorite. I love it. Well, I that love be a really intense version of it. Exactly. Like I love, I love the upsets that happened in the first round, but I, you know, I understand like a play in series that it would have to be probably three games at least, but man, I could also see a scenario where it's a one and done in the NHL like that would be intense. I think it would be electric to watch. I think it would be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I don't think, I mean, logically, I don't think it would ever happen. However, as a fan of the game and as somebody who would love to watch that kind of drama and where every play matters, every shift matters, it would almost feel like 60 minutes of overtime. And I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Especially, I mean, like, like Tyler said, I think at the end of the day, the NHL is a business. So they are going to try to make money. And with uh, Seattle coming in, 32 teams, I could see them expanding a little bit. I also wouldn't be upset if it stays exactly where it's at. But like like I said, that first round, is that's that's always great to watch. And it's always fun to watch. So throw in a play-out round. Have some kind of Mortal Kombat tournament where the play-in round has to go through some kind of gauntlet to make it. I don't know how it works, but it could be well, fun. It could be a different way to spice things up. You could potentially do something like a page playoff system. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but okay. you have you have your your top seeds play each other. So so if you look at the bottom four teams in the bracket, um, you know your wild card teams or whatever, you rank them based off of their regular season standing. So the one versus two play each other in a game, and then three versus four play each other. The winner of the one versus two jumps to the to the championship play in game. The loser of that one versus two game then plays the winner of the three versus four, and then that winner um, ends up playing the top team to be able to make the playoffs. See, you, that could, kinda, you could potentially do that in three games or three days, kind of thing. That I, would kind of satisfy my Mortal Kombat tournament as well. My worry is that you're <laughs> complicating it too much, right? Like I like yeah. the page playoff thing works great in curling, right? It always yeah. adds some extra spice yeah. to the events. But I worry that trying to sell that to this to fans in the states and grow the game in the states. I worry people would just be like, what the fuck? Like, okay, so this team plays that team who then moves on. But then if you lose, you're not out yet unless you lose this game. Like, I'd, I'd worry. They, that can't, they, can't can't figure out idea. They, they can't figure out the offside rules, man. Yeah. To bag milk's idea, though, the team that loses gets killed. 
the chaos theory, right? They, no, they, they, they got relegated. Yeah, they got relegated. They relegated, got, yes. Yeah, they yeah. get killed out of the NHL. <laughs> they have to go back to the American League for a year, then they're allowed back. Maybe that's what the NHL does, right? Is that instead of expanding the playoffs, the bottom two teams in the league Sure, you're allowed in the draft lottery, but you also have to compete in the AHL the next year. A little bit of relegation. (laughs) Those teams would fold so fast. Absolutely, I know it's a completely (laughs) ridiculous idea. I don't know how I don't know how they pull that off in soccer, but I I couldn't see that working in the NHL over here. No, of course it wouldn't work at all. Man, would it be hilarious? Like Detroit Red Wings, historically bad this year. They just look at you guys are an AHL team next year. I'm sorry, you can draft. Those soccer honestly, players, they can get out of their contracts, man. They just up and leave. Could you imagine that happens in the NHL? Honestly, though, like relegation would force teams to not tank. Like it would cause strategic tanking, right? Like you can't just absolutely sewer your roster. You have to be able to maintain a good enough roster to get let, that like third overall pick kind of thing. <laughs> I think we, all, I think we could all agree it would never happen. But um, <laughs> think about it. It's it is an interesting angle that soccer has where it's like you guys are real bad you don't get a play here next year so um sticking with the playoffs uh where where was this a couple days ago uh yeah two days ago on wednesday uh coach Tibbetts jumped on a zoom call with reporters talking about what he's expecting from the playoffs and i thought there was a couple of quotes i want to read to you guys and just get your thoughts on it um obviously goes without saying this year's playoffs is not normal in any way, shape, or form. We've already been off the ice for almost three months now. And phase two of the NHL's return to play plan is only kicking off on Monday. We'll get to that in a second. But to Coach Tippett, I thought this one was really interesting to me. When When asked about his players and what he expects from guys who haven't played in this amount of time, his response was, the pause has been a while, so you're going to have to see how players react to coming back. You're probably going to have some players who maybe are not as good as they were, and you'll probably get some players who are more motivated, especially ones who had injuries, to jump back in and get going. So I'm just kind of curious what you guys think about, I mean, we're going to get players back on the ice on Monday in limited groups of five or six. Um, Edmonton is looking like they're going to open their facilities. So they're going to get some ice time, but again, just skating around, shooting around. A handful of guys is not the same as competing, obviously. What do you guys think about players coming back, maybe not necessarily being in shape? Do you think this is enough time well, to I think get them to where they need to be? I think it's totally believable. I mean, I'm sure there have been some guys who maybe assumed the season would be canceled. Um, in the offseason, guys always have access to you know a rink to go to. They're skating with other NHLers leading up to the season. They're ready to go. This isn't like that. Guys can't, you know, go play shinny out with another group of NHLers at a rink. They don't really have as much access to the top-notch facilities that they may have, maybe would have during the regular offseason. So I think there will absolutely be guys who come back in far worse shape than others. I think it's kind of expected at this point, no? I mean, I, would, I, I, mean, I don't know about you guys, but me personally, I've been eating Doritos on masses and... <laughs> I, I don't think I'm alone in that. So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Like who comes into town and just kind of like, Whoa, you could, you haven't skated in a while, pal. I think it's just going to come down to, for each team, it's the leadership of the team, right? It's the guys that, it's the guys that hold the, the glue together 
uh, of a team. So, so for the Oilers, it's Connor McDavid. It's it's the um, I'm trying to think of who are the older veteran guys on the team. Uh, wanted to say Sam Gagne, but not. But I, I think that when you look at a team like the Oilers, you've got a leader in Connor McDavid who maybe isn't the most vocal guy and isn't going to you know drag you out in the in the middle of the locker room if you came back in half-ass shape. But at the same time, I do believe that Connor was probably texting the boys and checking in and seeing what they're up to during during this pandemic. And you know damn well that all those guys know that Connor's not stopping for a minute during this whole you know during this whole pandemic. He was uh, he was doing his workouts. He's doing all kinds of different things with Gary Roberts. And so it's I think it I think for a team like Edmonton, it's good. Um, you, it'll be interesting to see for a team like even Calgary or Boston, where where their guys are are the old guard, right? The the Giordanos and the and the Charas of the world, where they're just vocal guys that that can demand respect in person. It'll be interesting to see what those teams come back like. But those veteran guys, I I wonder about their ability to jump right back into things quickly if it is a shortened training camp and all that. Now, granted, they are going to get here sort of a month and a half to skate on their own and all that so maybe it won't be that big of an issue but for some of these guys i bet you throwing off their routines and and Mm -hmm. having them completely just at a halt and then picking right back up and going at it i bet you takes a toll on some of them well and i i mean they're i think that hockey players a lot are creatures of habit too so you know the get up the workout the nap the the pregame meal all of that has been taken away from them for a long time so it's gonna be super interesting to see I don't specifically expect McSick Daddy to be rolling into town as if he wasn't working out this whole time, but um, it, it's going to be very interesting. On training camp, Tippett said, "This is not. It's not like a training camp in the sense that you have sixty players and you're looking at a lot of player, uh, a lot of people. You know who you have, and you know where most of the parts fit. Training camp will be seeing if there's a player or two who jump in, and maybe somebody falls behind, hasn't come in in as good a shape, and they sh- as they should be after the pause. So." That's also an interesting angle because normally we're used to training camp and preseason of, all right, we're cutting away, we're cutting away, we're cutting away. Players going to the AHL, players going back to junior, but that's not the case this year. No, this will be like the Olympics, man. This will be like where you pretty much have your whole roster, you're ready to go, everyone just gets out on the ice and starts figuring it out. Um, I think if this, this if, if hockey got called back, whatever, like a month ago, Maybe guys would be in a little worse shape because there's a little more questions back there. Because, but because we've opened up so slowly, um, and there's been, you know, the NHL has been green lit, so to say, for unofficially for you know almost a month already. These guys have every reason and every ability to get out there, whether you're running hills or you're, whether you're doing something a little more. Uh, they're they're finding gyms. These guys have gyms in their basements. They're figuring it out. They've got all they got everybody around them. They need to have around them to stay in shape. Um, they're going to be fine. What this is really going to do is going to let some of the older guys, I think, feel good, and some of the injured guys, uh, they're going to be a, have an opportunity to come back. Well, yeah, I mean, like a guy, I think, in like a guy like uh, Joachim Nygaard hadn't played in quite some time. He'll be ready Mike to Green. go. Mike Green is another guy who'll be ready to go. So um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, speaking of getting back on the ice, the NHL announced the transition to phase two of their return to play plan is beginning on June 8th, which is Monday, I believe. Yeah, Monday. So I'm just going to read their little announcement for you guys. Um, reading the actual protocol for phase two is pretty intense. So if you want to like, it's a long read too. Uh, so they're very, they're, they're taking precautions, understandably so. And 
rightfully so. But in terms of getting back on the ice, beginning June 8th, subject to each club's satisfaction of all requirements set out in Phase 2 protocol, again, that protocol is intense to read, clubs will be permitted to reopen their training facilities in their home city to allow players to participate in individualized training activities off ice and on ice. Players will be participating on a voluntary basis. Uh, And Tippett, again, in his conference call, goes on to say he's not allowed with the players on the ice right now. Um, So players will be participating on a voluntary basis and will be scheduled to small groups, maximum of six players at any time, plus a limited number of club staff. The various measures set out in Phase 2 protocol are intended to provide players with a safe and controlled environment in which to resume their conditioning. Phase 2 is not a substitute for training camp. All necessary preparations for phase two, including those that require player participation, education, diagnostic diagnostic testing, scheduling for medicals, etc., can begin immediately. The NHL and the NHLPA continue to negotiate over an agreement on the resumption of play. So I guess my question to you guys is, are we still too far away for you to be excited about hockey coming back? Or does inching our way closer, like when we get to see I mean, I don't even know if there'll be any media available in the building at all. But once we get to see Oilers actually kind of working out some kinks and working out the rust, does that get you more excited or are we still too far away? You're damn right I'm excited. We've had three months of no sports, no nothing here, and we're on the verge of uh, of everything getting going again. I know there's still some time to go, and I get that. But uh, we're moving. We're going, the right, we're going in the right direction. And, you know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel uh, is, is close. So yeah, I'm 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 excited, man. Let's let's get this going. Well, I'm sure you guys, when you guys are out, uh, or you're talking to your friends or whatever that don't maybe work in sports media, you guys have been asked the question, you know, when is this happening? When are we coming back? And my answer has always been, I think it's going to be August, even September, before we actually see the the full on hockey. So it doesn't it doesn't really change that for me. I think it is. I think it's important that we do a slow roll open to everything so yeah I'm, I'm i'm kind of just in the same holding pattern expecting this to take a while and and i'm okay with that as as the league and all that inch along that's kind of how i'm going to like with every little piece of news i find myself getting a little bit more excited but i'm not like over the moon right now being like oh drop the puck tomorrow like i'm still i'm almost in the middle of dan and rick where i'm like cautiously going forward with it but, I mean, once we get a final date and all that, I can imagine that's when I'll get real excited. Just to wrap it up, personally, I'm getting excited because, and it's not so much that, oh, I'm raring to go, let's watch these guys play. I mean, obviously, I want to watch them play, but, like, that's not where I'm feeling. I'm just excited that there was no announcement saying we are canceling the season. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That we're actually inching closer towards actually being able to watch hockey again. I mean, we wrote reports around the network of junior leagues canceling, the AHL canceling. And it almost felt for a period that the NHL, NBA, all of it was just going to follow suit and be like, unfortunately, we can't do this. We'll see you again next year. So I am excited. I'm hopeful that we'll be able to watch some hockey. And yeah, it'll be strange and odd. But it's not just hockey, it. it's playoff hockey, boys. Like, this is, 2017 wasn't that long ago. That should make your, the hair on your arm stand up. 2006, do you guys remember 2006? I guess we're here, we're here. This is the end of the year. We're almost there. This is like the fucking last Saturday of the year. And our next game, the next time they drop the puck, is going to be fucking playoff hockey. I like the there is no, still... There's no sitting on your hands. There's no being 
whatever. There, this is believe in the science. Let the health officials do their thing. But we're in the fucking playoffs. Next time they drop the puck, it's gonna be a fucking playoff game. I like that the biggest hype man in my life, Rick, is still the biggest hype man in my life. I just <laughs> like think it's that here, man, we're I just boys. think that excited. I'm, I'm personally cautiously guarded because, as I said, we've watched leagues fall apart. Government and, name and oh, oh sorry, good call, I, good call. I haven't done that in forever. <laughs> um, there's that bleep for your listeners, um, but uh, where was my train of thought? Oh yeah, we've watched leagues. But those this. are little. Those are and I, I. Those are small Whoa. leagues. Those Whoa, are small careful. leagues. I'm sorry, they're small leagues. They're small I know, leagues. but it just there's junior leagues. You have to be cautious. About this it is the pros. This is billions of dollars. It was yesterday that the Pittsburgh Penguins announced that they had a player diagnosed with, with COVID. And yes, the players are all separate right now. But no, but didn't they the say minute, he was he had already uh, he was already okay though? Yeah. Oh yeah. They for had, sure. They had, but, they had a player. Who is uh, who's okay? They don't say when they had it. It could have been nope. fucking end of April. My point is though is that we're bringing we are bringing these guys back together slowly, yes, but they are coming back together. Uh, I'm confident that any player that comes back together in Edmonton is going to be able to to do it. But what fear, what I what I fear is the cities that I don't know the the case. But in, no, in those cities, there. those players, I guarantee you, are being extremely cautious. Yeah, You'd hope. Yeah, it's. You, yeah, you know, well, you're gonna have you're gonna have some you're gonna have some idiots out there, and I get that. But for the most part, they're gonna be cautious, right? Just so you just that's why I, that's where my guarded uh, fear comes from is that is that it could get delayed, it could you know, Gordon the street, and it you get hit happen. by a car. Yep, but I'm still guarded. I know you're excited across the street because there's a I fat Frank stand on the other side of the street, and we're going to have a damn smoky. I love uh, hot dog days before I go. <laughs> Uh, Tyler, this kind of leads me right into the article that you have up today at organization.com about the idea of an asterisk, uh, the asterisk at the end of a, a of this specific playoff tournament. Walk yeah. us through your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's just kind of a look, and you've seen that word thrown out a lot. I started the article by saying I've heard the word asterisk in the last month more than I have in my entire life, but in 10 years, in 20 years, how will we look back at this year's champion? You know, maybe if it's not the Oilers, because, I mean, obviously we would all value an Oilers Stanley Cup championship. But if this is the Stanley Cup that the Tampa Bay Lightning win and they don't get another one, are we going to look back on this Lightning team and be like, oh, man, you know, they did win that one cup? Or are we going to go, oh, man, that Lightning team, the only cup they won was the COVID Cup? Like, are we in 10, 20 years, if it's not your favorite team that wins, how are you going to value this championship? I, mean, I think it's the same, man. Like, I mean, the only way it's different is if, like, Chicago or Montreal win. I mean, at that point, you're like, well, they weren't really supposed to be in the playoffs. But I don't think anyone's going to look at it and go, it, it, the playoffs aren't any easier. So I'm not, I don't think it's going to devalue any. It might change. And, you know, you're going to have the people who are going to walk around and just be angry about it to begin with. But I don't <laughs> think it devalues it. I don't think it makes it any easier. Rick, I know you. If the Oilers get swept by the Blackhawks, you will be tweeting out and tagging Blackhawks fans saying it doesn't matter. And if the Calgary, <laughs> Flame, if the Calgary Flames win the Stanley Cup, Rick, you are going to be going at every Flames fan going, yeah, win a real one. Win a real one. I know you. I know you. <laughs> I can't argue that too much. To me, I honestly... and I honestly, You said 10 or 20 years down the road, though. Yeah. I need some time to cool off. Yeah, like 10 or 20 years from now, I'm going to be beaming my hatred at Flames fans right from my brain, I imagine. Um, to me, I honestly, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know what's going to happen 20 years from now, but right now, 
on in June of 2020. This playoff almost means more to me in the sense that it's going to it's going to feel different and it's going to be a different moment in history and it's going to be a different way of watching it and I don't believe that the the playoffs are going to be any easier. The Cup's not going to be any easier to win. Rick's at Liverpool. It's going to be tougher, man. You're going to have to win three more games. Yeah, like for the Oilers, if they want to win the Stanley Cup, instead of winning 16 games, they now have to win 19. So, Ooh, that's Mika's. That's, that's, that's our goalie's number, man. That's a good omen. Be, yeah. <laughs> oh, hello. So I actually think that it's going to mean more. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I, I think that if anything, this asterisk, yeah, I think the asterisk, that we could put on it would say that it was harder to do. The last time I remember a sports conversation surrounding an asterisk was the home run, the home run yeah. king derbies that we had in the nineties and into the two thousands, and that and that's a, a very negative kind of asterisk, right? We don't know we don't know the scale of which the players were cheating in that in that time frame. This I mean, just a, look at just look at Barry Bonds' head, how it expanded yeah, from his rookie yeah. season to we, like they were all. You're right. Doing we shit. know the physical scale, but we don't know the the actual you know scale of players that were doing it. Sammy Sosa was using a cork bat. Like these are all issues that that came up that were negative that people were doing. This is a this is a global pandemic. This is a this is a, a footnote in history that you know in the 1920s when we had the Spanish flu epidemic, we just didn't have the playoffs. And that's the asterisk that they that they have there. I think that this is going to be an important kind of, you know, we overcame a moment where, you know, a lot of people died and and they found a way to make it work healthily, safely, and, and you know, gave people something to hold on to. I just, I mean, I'm excited. I, I want to watch, I want to watch the boys do their thing again. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting though, like, I was I was trying to think about it before we started recording. Like the first game the Oilers are going to play in months, it's not a preseason game. There's no tune-ups here. This is like we have to go now, and that's going to make for intriguing storyline. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, also, want to give our, a shout out to our friends at SkipTheDish.ca for keeping us all fed during this time of COVID-19. If you're not leaving your house, if you're staying in. They're there to help you with thousands of restaurant choices around the city. Please support local. Please tip your drivers. And please check out skipthedishes.ca. Make sure that you get yourself something to eat. Changing gears entirely, uh, Brian Lawton, he spoke to me. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't speaking to me directly, but he spoke to me. And Dan, I know you got a tweet for me that you want to read about Brian Lawton's thoughts on my beloved Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I really appreciate you giving me a few seconds there to catch up. Uh, that was great. <laughs> the tweet is, uh, I think you can see me scrambling in the chat. Um, the, the tweet that came out was, uh, it said, former NHL agent Brian Lawton says that it would surprise him if Ryan Nugent Hopkins signs with another team in 2021 free agency. So that's the first part. And then the second part was, he also adds that if R&H signs a long-term contract, it would likely have an AAV that begins with a six. So, so I mean, obviously, I just want to start as the resident president of the Ryan Nugent Hopkins fan club. If if the Oilers could actually get Nugent signed to a long term deal as an extension with a six in front of it, <laughs> first of all, I would I would argue that 
that is incredible. Even if it's six point nine, even if it gets the, nice. uh, the William Nylander contract, I, th- I would think that would be an incredible value for this team. I would also question Nuge's agent a little bit, but we'll we'll keep that to ourselves because obviously the cap space is limited on this one. But uh, if they could actually make that happen, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins starts and finishes his career as an Edmonton Oiler, that would be a sizable victory. And uh, we also know that Ken Holland from his time in Detroit, he does like to re-sign his veterans. So I'm just curious what you think, Tyler, about, you know, just we're speculating here. We're just, we're just talking Ryan Nugent Hopkins signing an extension, starting with the six. Uh, well, I mean, if, first off, if it, if it starts with a six, like, like you said, I don't know what the hell his agent's doing because you look to look at Philadelphia. They signed Kevin Hayes when he was an unrestricted free agent, long-term deal. Seven, seven, five. <laughs> yeah. It's all seven, reminding people of that contract. 7.1. Yeah, I mean, and that dude never hit 50 points in his career. So <laughs> to me, like, I don't, I don't know if Lawton has a source on this or what, but I, I highly doubt we're going to see Nugent Hopkins sign a deal that starts in the sixes. I think it'll be somewhere in the mid sevens, but if that happens, man, a six. Oh, that's you <laughs> shushing me. I was like, "What yeah, the hell's going on?" Me shushing you. Um, but if you can get him down to six, I mean, hell yeah, I guess he's their third most important player in my opinion. So they need to find a way to get it done. I, I it's encouraging that you're hearing reports saying that it's uh, saying that it, you know it's likely to be Edmonton if he does sign anywhere long term because it's better than hearing the opposite. And this has nothing to do with anything, but a friend of the network, friend of everybody, Reed Wilkins, texted me this morning that he did interview Ryan Nugent Hopkins today at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And I said, how did it go? And he says, I love talking to Nuge. He is one of the nicest people you could ever meet. And that just warms my heart. For a guy that's been in Edmonton and seen kind of everything and lived through a bunch of bad shit, to be honest, in terms of his professional career, for him to have the attitude of being um, a positive Kind young man. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Yeah, uh, Dan, final thoughts on Nuge? Well, I think I think uh, when I initially got the news, I sent it right to you, Bag Milk, as the resident president of the Ryan Nugent fan club. Um, but my, my main takeaway from the tweet, I don't think we can really say, you know, what we know the, the money is going to be just because nobody has any idea of what the, the salary cap climate is going to be in, in, in the coming years with all of that's going on right now. But I think the important thing to take away from it is, it sounds like, at least, according to this source, Ryan Nugent Hopkins wants to be an Edmonton Oiler, and that's fucking phenomenal. That's that's the most important thing. If he if he wants to stick with this team, as you said, Beg Milk, a team that he has seen a lot of shit with, uh, that's that's an awesome thing, an awesome bit of news for Edmonton Oilers fans. Hope it happens. Hope it happens. Um, again. Keep nude forever. There's a reason we started the hashtag. Can uh, that wrapping... Do you think we can uh, put that T-shirt in the rafters if uh, if they do? If he does go start to finish his career, can we get that T-shirt hung up in the rafters? Yeah, that's absolutely. what his banner will say. It won't even have his yeah, number. Yeah. It'll just be like "Keep nude forever." Yeah. yeah. We well, just, where do you think it started? We just need to bring a, a T-shirt cannon to the arena, and we can start shooting them up there until one no, stick. No, no, we just we just we just sneak a side deal with. With Jesperson, yeah, we can talk to somebody. Yeah, we'll just get Jespo involved on this, and then uh, he'll make sure the Keep News Forever shirt happens. I mean, like, I have a photo on my laptop right now of Ryan Nugent Hopkins wearing a Keep News Forever T-shirt. Oh, 
What a, what a, what a photo that is too. What a photo that is. Not only Nuge, a bunch of his teammates as well. So and former, former current teammates. Love it. That was his wedding. Of course. Keep Nuge forever. Now, uh, I want to go ahead and thank our friends at Oodle Noodle for making this all possible as well. Go into any of their 13 locations around the city for a curbside pickup, a takeout order, or a dine-in order, and they are going to donate 10% of that order to local initiatives here in the city. They've been making the rounds um, since COVID-19 started. This week, their partner is Sports Central. We did uh, some work with Sports Central with the nation as well. They do some fantastic work in getting sporting equipment to kids that need it, including uh, our friends at Udo Noodle yesterday posted a video on their social media of Alfonso Davies talking about a bike that Sports Central gave him that just changed everything for him in terms of what it meant for his life. And can't thank Oodle Noodle enough for supporting a great cause like Sports Central as well. Uh, gentlemen, we got a, only got a couple of minutes left in today's podcast. So I wanted to talk about some kind of some kind of sizable news for all of us that are fans of watching hockey on TV. Chris Cuthbert making the switch from TSN over to Sportsnet. Uh, arguably his most famous call that I can remember off the top of my head is the golden goal. Uh, I've watched that highlight a million times and I love the way that he described it. Everything about it was great in the moment and even all these years later. What do you think about that ad for Sportsnet? To me, that's great. It's going to improve the experience of watching games. And then a follow-up question, who's your favorite sporting announcer? And do you have a specific call that kind of makes you think of that person? Uh, for me, first off, the, the CC news. There is a part of me that, wink, wonders what this means for Jim Hewson, because I believe his contract might have been up this year as well, but I'm not 100% sure on that, so don't take it as me report news but i heard that that might have something to do with he, with this i know cc's deal was up with tsn so this wasn't like he quit or anything like it was a he was actually a free agent and sportsnet signed the biggest free agent in the country because i i believe it's him and gord miller at the top for best play-by-play guys right now um gord miller linked to so many iconic canadian moments and and so is cuthbert yep. um but i i think on a game-to-game basis cuthbert might actually be my favorite and i'm beyond excited um, as much as it sucks that we no longer have him calling CFL games and Grey Cups, because uh, he was incredible at that as well, uh, we might get to see him call some Connor McDavid goals, and I, and I think that's just I think that's awesome. That's just it. it. That's just it, though. If, it, if he doesn't, if he's not coming in to call Oiler games, then I'm kind of shrug about he'll it. Right? Be, he'll be the new national guy. Yeah, but how many of our games are national games? Well, you get a handful here and there. I don't know. More, more cut than we got before. And if, if, if Houston isn't going anywhere, then what? He might just become the Leafs guy, or Cuthbert might be the new late-night Hockey Night in Canada guy. That might be why they're bringing him in. He might. We might get him doing every Oilers Saturday night game. Like, I, I don't really know. Maybe yeah, he's replacing like I, Randorf. I would, I, would or, love to see him, I would love to see him be a part of as many Oilers games as possible. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to just who call I, I um, the world junior guys, when you have Ferraro and, and Gordon Miller doing their thing, I think they they work so well for the during the game and between whistles that I think that's probably one of my favorite ones right now. I honestly, you brought up Ray Ferraro. I man, we got so spoiled having him as the Oiler uh, color guy for so long before he left to TSN. We were spoiled, and I, I miss him because I, I think <laughs> about like today, Gregor on OilersNation.com has an interview with Alex Hemsky about uh, his retirement. And obviously when you think of Hemsky, you think about that Patrick Steffen goal 
and Ray Ferraro just giving Patrick oh. Steffen the business after he misses that empty net is just it's it's hilarious. It's so funny because I don't. It's not that bad of a move though, right? Like if you shoot it in the net, maybe there's a little bit of a little gusto in it. But you're making the shot. He literally just meant to like slide it in the net, make it as humble and quiet as possible, and get the hell out of there. And it just happened to jump over his stick, and oh, we know what happened after that. Yeah, Patrick Steffen, you should be embarrassed of yourself. Is <laughs> I believe the quote from Ray Ferraro. Back to the uh, the follow up. Who's your favorite? Like when you look back on your fandom of sports doesn't just have to be hockey um who's your favorite and do you have a, a spe- specific call dan you got anybody that comes to mind well i got i have it's a two-part answer for me uh my favorite person now commentator of all time was don whitman he uh he did a lot of cfl games back when cfl was on cbc um but he was always that guy that on any broadcast he made you feel like you weren't an idiot for asking the dumb questions because he would ask them for you in, in a very elegant way. But my favorite call of all time, and you guys will, I can't do it justice by calling it out, but I'm going to read it anyways. It says, who's going to beat Joseph? Or who will get one for Edmonton? They're going to try here. Rushing to center and down the wing. Marchant <laughs> scores! Marchant scores! And the Edmonton Oilers are going to move on. The Dallas Stars have been eliminated. Curtis Joseph, the hero, tonight. And then Marchant, the icing on the cake on the speed down the wing and the shot that ends it 4-3 Edmonton. That Bob Cole call is just, you, you can't yeah you, you can't you can't beat that call for me. Um, he he not only does he 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 gives Marchant the the accolades he deserves, he also calls back to Curtis Joseph who moments before that just absolutely robbed uh, I can't remember who it was Sador or Newendijk on the doorstep. So it's it, it, he's it, Bob is Bob is a legend in his own right, and I know it's an easy answer, but but yeah, that call from Bob Cole was for me. Just before we continue on, really quick, Tyler, you're a younger guy than the, mm-hmm. the three of the rest of us. Did you get a chance to appreciate Bob Cole at all, or by the time that you were kind of a fan, was he already kind of the older Bob Cole that? maybe people start to make fun of almost. Yeah, I caught the end of the good Bob Cole, at least I like to think, uh, before he, you know, got to the real twilight stages of his career. Um, but certainly he's not the one that jumps out to me. Is like, I think for a lot of people, the reason they have a special connection to, to him or to Rod Phillips is because that's who, when you were falling in love with hockey, that's whose voice you heard, right? And yep. for me, it's not the same. For me... Growing up, if there was a game I was listening to on the radio for whatever reason, which didn't happen very often, it was Jack. It wasn't Rod. And uh, for me watching on TV, it's why Kevin Quinn will always have a special place in my heart. Because for me growing up, it was Oilers games on regional sports net. And it was Kevin Quinn calling them for towards the end here. And so Kevin Quinn kind of holds that special place in my heart as a guy I really enjoy. Because, I mean, his overtime winner call is, is always great. Um, but in terms of the best one right now, I, I said it. it, it's CC, it's Chris Cuthbert, or it's Gordon Miller. And uh, I, I think those two are, I don't think it's particularly close. I think they're head and shoulders above uh, the rest of uh, the rest of the hockey play-by-play guys. Uh, yeah, I'll just jump in since you brought his name up. And it's it, it, you are 100% right that you kind of attach memories to certain guys and their voices or whatever. Bob Cole, I loved him. He was a classic. Even I remember specifically, we did a, a nation ski trip and we were all watching it a Montreal Oilers game in the chalet at Marmot. And that was the first game that Bob Cole got to announce Connor McDavid. And hearing 
him do one of his patented whoa babies about Connor doing something special on the ice. It was fun to hear. But for me, Rod Phillips was my guy because I remember countless. I mean, it's funny to think about now that not every Oilers game was televised at one point. It's, it reminds me of being out in the garage with my dad listening to the games on Chet and Rod Phillips. He was hilarious because when the team was annoying him, he would also let him have it. He wasn't oh, yeah. just like, he wasn't just one of those guys that was just going to keep things fluffy. If they were playing poorly, he had no problem of ripping them a little bit. And I'll always love Rod Phillips. I have a quote. I have a, a sound clip again on my laptop of Rod Phillips saying boo bagged milk. And it is honestly one of my favorite things that I have. And, um, is that from when he did all the stuff for the limo? That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, Rod I've, Phillips I've, voiced I've, a bunch of stuff. For the I, had, I had Mandy's send me all that stuff. So I have a whole bunch of clips of him talking. It's great. So uh, yeah, boo bag milk from Rod Phillips is probably one <laughs> of the best things that I've ever had happen to me in my life. We need that as a clip on here, by the way. Yeah, I'll see if I can find just that uh, file. That, I know would I've that be a it. good cold performer sound button? For <laughs> oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Or if somebody says Bag Milk's government name. Boo Bag Milk. <laughs> boo Bag Milk, boo Dan. But yay yeah. all of you. Um, on behalf of everybody here, our friends at Sherwood for the Giant, SkipTheDish.ca, and Oodle Noodle, I want to thank everybody for listening to episode 89 of Oilers Nation Radio, the Sam Gagne episode. And thank you for being here. Please subscribe. Please rate. We are, Last week, we did read some of your feedback on iTunes. I want more of that. Um, I, I love it. I love it that you guys have opinions on the show. I love that you have opinions on the people on the show. Please keep sharing. Please keep telling your family members. And most importantly, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.